Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. Good to, good to be here. Um, first off, I just want to just thank you all for the prayers and the love and the support that we've received as, as a family. And if you're new here or you, you wonder what's going on, we lost our 28-year-old daughter three weeks ago. And um, so life's really raw right now for us. And, uh, and I just want to say that, that I've, I've had a new experience of community and, and, and what that looks like, what it looks like to be loved and supported by the greater body of Christ, to, uh, to just be prayed over so um, thoroughly from so many places. We had people literally in Ukraine and Nepal, Lithuania, we had prayers going up all over the place for us, and we're, we're grateful. We're so thankful for our church family and for the body of Christ. I don't know how anybody does life apart from this. We weren't meant to do life apart from community. We were created for community. We were created for this. So I'll always say online church is a great tool. It is not church. Church is not the gathering of information. Church is the gathering of the saints to glorify God to encourage one another, to be here for one another, so that when tragedy or suffering or struggle strike, you're not alone. So, today we are continuing in our study of Psalm 119, and I've called this um, a faithful God. So, Yod is the is the, alpha, the, the Hebrew alphabet letter that we are looking at today. Yod um, is the first letter in two of the great divine names, Yahweh, Yehovah, and Yeshua, or Je- Jesus. Um, the Yod is found in every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It is a part of each and every letter signifying the idea that God is in all things that it represents a hand which tells us and shows us that God's hand is in all things. There is nothing that is apart from him, that his hand is not too short to save, that he's strong and that he's mighty and that he is able and that he has this hand in all things in our life. And so as we start, I want to just kind of frame us back to a place. I want us to center on God and who he is on the reality of this God that we serve, on his majesty, on his beauty, on his power, on his ability, on his hand in every aspect of life, that his hand is in every aspect of the universe that we live in. About two years ago, Troy Nissen and I, we we made this video. And and what it is, is it's just, we use this uh, video of, of, of a journey to the edge of the universe and back. And we just filled it with scripture. And so we're going to start, we're going to leave from here on this journey. And I just want you to to just focus in on who God is. I want you to hear who God is through his word. We're going to roll this video and then we'll continue from there. The The earth was without form and voidness was over the face of the deep and the God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Who alone out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea? Who makes the bear Orion the in the chambers of the south? Who does great things, unfathomable and wondrous works without number? Were he to pass by me, I would not see him. Were he to move past me, I would not perceive him. Were he to snatch away, who could restrain him? Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue. Night after night they make him. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. He determines the numbers of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He who made the Pleiades and Orion and changes deep darkness into morning, who also darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment. Stretching out the heavens like a tent, he lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they created. And he also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. Thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God, 
For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth waters for his steadfast love endures forever to him who made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever the sun to rule over the day for his steadfast love endures forever the moon and the stars to rule over the night for his steadfast love endures forever in his hands are the depths of the earth the heights of the mountains are his also the sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have ordained what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him he determines the number of the stars he gives to all of them their names great is our Lord and abundant in power his understanding beyond measure. To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. Surely my hand founded the spread out the heavens when I call to them they stand together assemble all of you and listen therefore you worship as unknown this I you the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundary of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him actually not far from each one of us You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where should I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. This is the God that we serve. This is the infinite, all-powerful, all-good, all-knowing God that we serve. And he is a faithful God. And he knows us. And he's knit us together. And he knows the number of our days. And he's surprised by nothing. And the psalmist begins in this yod. He says, your hands have made me and they've formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. There's a reality about me. It's, it's that this, it's, it's that my concept of what's good tends to play in with my with my own desires. It plays in with my own comfort. What I understand or what I think is good isn't the higher good that God has on so many levels. God tells us in Isaiah that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And just as heaven is higher than earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts and his ways higher than our ways. It tells us that we need understanding, we need to hear from God, we need, to, we need to meet with God, and we need Him to give us His perspective and His understanding in this. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I've preached this a lot. I've, I've preached this so much in the last year, the idea that this is not our home. This is not what we were made for, that we were made for something much greater, something bigger than this. We were made for eternal, not temporal things. And we want to lead lives that when people recognize and see that there's a reality of the hope that lies within us, that they see the reality of that, that they understand that these are a people who are a little bit strange because they're not placing their hope in the things of the world like the rest of the world is. This is a people who are a, a bit peculiar because they believe and understand that there is a greater and a higher purpose to live for than our bank accounts and our homes and what we drive. That there are things that are valuable, that there are things that have eternal value and that there's a place that is worthy of our hope. There is a word that is out there. I want to read to you from Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. 
And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he is the word who is worthy to set our hope in. Our hope hopefully isn't in the idea or the concept that we're just living in a blind faith. There needs to be a reality in our life that we've that we have met with God, that we've experienced the reality of the power and the and the goodness of God in our own lives, so much so that we recognize that the most logical place for us to place our hope is not in the seen but is in the unseen, not in the world that we live in, not in the place that we are today, not in our circumstances, but in a God who's much greater than our circumstances, a God who's able to rescue and save and change, a God who is at work in the middle of our struggle to create in us something that wasn't there before. Verse 75, I know that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness, You have afflicted me. To remember that God is faithful in this, that his affliction isn't something that is is just random. It's not not this place where where God has come in and said, look, I'm going to just see how much they can take. I'm going to see how tough they are. This is a God who's faithful in bringing the things into our lives that he brings into our lives. And while we may not see it and our perspective may be too narrow to understand the greater plan and the greater goodness of this God, that we understand his faithfulness, that his promise is to be the only one ever who will never leave you nor forsake you, the one who is able to carry us and who is victorious over death for us. You see, where the whole world is speaking death, Anna reminded me that God is speaking life that death wasn't victorious three weeks ago, that life was victorious, that Callie now is more alive than any of us sitting here today. But there's a reality of affliction and suffering in our lives, and Jesus did not sidestep that in his humanity. He suffered on our behalf. As a matter of fact, this is the only picture of a God who would love his people so much that he would enter into their suffering, that he would come, that he wouldn't just stay far off and say, oh, it really sucks to be you guys. But this is a God who would enter in, who would, who would touch us, who would identify with us, who would show us the reality of who this God is, that he would give us a tangible touch so that we could begin to understand more of the God that we serve and who he is and his faithfulness and his goodness and the reality of this broken place that we live today that is full of difficulty, that's full of hardship. And if you don't recognize that in your life, then I'm just gonna tell you that you're living way too easy of a life. You're way too separated from the world. You're way too out there and not connected to the reality of what's going on in this world around us. Because even in the beautiful town that we live in, There's an incredible amount of suffering and difficulty and pain and hardship. And as God's people, we have to connect ourselves to that suffering 
There are times I get up here and I have something to say. And there are times where I get up here and I just say something. (laughs) Today I'm telling you I have something to say. I have something for us. I'm uniquely qualified in a way that I wasn't the last time I spoke to you to speak on these things and to, and to encourage us. Not to, I, I, I don't want to discourage us, but God is shaking us. He is shaking this world. He's shaking the foundations of everything that we've believed were secure in this world. COVID, our financial system, the very democracy, the, or the, not the, the republic, let's say, I guess, of this nation. It's all being shaken at this time. And it's time for God's people and it's time for God's church to wake up and to recognize the reality of what's going on. Not to make politics our religion, but to bring our faith and our beliefs into our politics. To understand the reality of this and the reality of God's people that this begins with the church. It's not about them. It's not about the world. It's about what's going on in the church. Because the church is supposed to disciple the culture around us, not be discipled by the culture. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. I want to tell you that I've experienced God's compassion and his unfailing love. I'll share with you a few things. They're just touches from God. There are things that have happened to me in the last few weeks that, that let me know that God's fingerprint is on what's happened. That God has a plan and a purpose, that he has a greater thing that he's doing. And I may not get it or understand it. I may never see it, but he's doing it. And he's faithful in it. Thursday, Thursday morning, I woke up and, and I, I, could see this, the, I could see the effects of the sunrise. I can't see the sunrise from my house, but I could see the beautiful red streaks of, of the sunrise. And, and I woke up and I, just, I began to just weep. And I, uh, I, I went out on my patio and I said, God, I, gotta, I have to hear from you. I, I need something. And I said, God, I, I opened up my Bible and I said, God, I need red letters. And I flipped my Bible and I'm not an advocate of Bible flipping, don't think I am. <laughs> but I think there's times where we just need God to show up. And he does that. And I flipped my Bible open and I began to read and it flipped right to... John chapter 11, the story of a Lazarus. And, and I read, I got to read that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall, not, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Three months ago, I started reading a book that's been on my bookshelf for at least 10 years. It's by a guy named Randy Alcorn, and the book is called Heaven. Today, today I know why I started reading that book. 
God is preparing me for, for, for whatever he's doing. Before the, the service, I, 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 knew that, I knew that Callie had something for us from last fall in Rock the House. I just, I said, I know there's something there, and I, I want to do a clip from there for her, for her celebration of life. And I, um, I went to YouTube, and I, and I pulled it up, and I'd forgotten that eight months ago I sat down to watch that video. I thought, wow, I was just so proud of her. She'd done such a nice job. She's such a better speaker than I'll ever be. And eight months ago, I had sat down and I had watched it. And I watched almost all of it. And for some reason, I had clicked out of it. And then I had went on with things. So when I sat down and I hit play, it began to play from the exact place that we played in her, at her celebration of life. And it was almost prophetic, the words for, it was like she was speaking those words for us today. This morning, I wanted to see her face. <laughs> and I, I went back and I, and again, I just punched right in the middle of the YouTube video. And she began to speak about Lazarus. <laughs> And him being the, and Jesus, the resurrection and the life. These are the places, these are just the touches that I've felt God's presence and I've felt his compassion. Places where I feel like God has shown up for me to just bring me comfort and to help me. Apart from his compassion, I can't live. May the arrogant be put to shame for wrongdoing me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. The ESV says, but as for me, I will do this. The church, the church has to quit pointing the finger at the world out there. The world out there is lost. The world out there is the mission field. The church, we're the ones who understand God's word, who understand his precepts, who understand the goodness and the reality of what he's called us to. And the church is supposed to live and meditate and let this come over us and wash over us and marinate our mind so that we might go out and we might change the world. And that's not too big a mission when you've got the creator of all things, the one who holds all power behind you and with you. But as for us, we will meditate on your precepts. We will follow your ways. We will follow your commission. We will do the things you've called us to do, not because we're trying to be good people or do a lot of good stuff, but because we are connecting with you. Because, Jesus, we want to have one heart, one breath with you. We want a mind that thinks in the same way that you do. We want a heart beating with you. We want feet that walk with you out these doors and into the good works that you prepared in advance for each person here to walk in. We're a body. And if everybody's not walking, we're crippled. May those... Uh, May those who fear you turn to me. 
Those who understand your statutes, may I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. God's ways are not irksome or burdensome, it tells us. They're there for our good. They're here for our freedom. They're here so that we would know how to live in freedom. Calf is the next one, and calf is a, this Hebrew letter that represents a palm. So we have a hand and a palm. It represents a covering. It represents atonement. Moses, when he asked to see the glory of God, was put in a cleft of the rock, and as the glory of God went by, it says that God's hand covered over him. The priests themselves would take their hands and they would lay them on the head of a bull and they would confer the sins of the people onto the, onto the sacrifice, what would become the sacrifice. Healing is done by the laying on of hands in the New Testament. Gifts are imparted by the laying on of hands. And our salvation was bought through the open palms of Jesus, his pierced hands and feet on our behalf. And so the psalmist ends up that my soul faints with longing for your salvation. But I have put my hope in your word again. We've put our hope somewhere beyond this world, someplace untouchable, someplace where it's secure. See, if you've put your hope in the things of this world, you'll never live in peace because you can't. Because the things of this world are temporal. The things of this world are passing by. Somebody might get your money. Somebody might leave you. Somebody might let you down. Something might break. Something might burn down. The only peace that we can really have is when we put our peace in a place where it's untouchable. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and allow him to add all good things to that, under that, in the right place. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Sometimes this is the reality of how we feel. But again, this has to transcend just our feelings. It can't just be about how we feel. It goes into a deeper place, a deeper hope, a joy that lives within us, right? Because we understand the reality that death is not victorious. That if we're in Christ, all we have to look forward to is life and life eternal. But sometimes it seems as though his comfort is slow. The psalmist goes on, it's what I love about this, it's what I love about the Psalms and about the Bible is it deals in real life and in real time. It doesn't paint this nebulous picture of just happiness and everything's just fun. No, it gets into the dregs of life, into the, into the ditch and into the pit and into the hard places and in the times where we wake up and we say, I don't see it, God. I don't feel it. I don't even know that you're there today. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm still going to walk forward in faith, despite how I feel today. Though I'm like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The psalmist is going through some kind of a big difficult time here and a time of suffering and struggling and things that he doesn't understand. And he says, I feel like a wineskin that's in the smoke. 
And a wineskin was, was, was a, a useful thing. And, and when they put wine into a wineskin, sometimes they would put it above the hearth. And the warmth from the hearth would mellow the wine and make it more palatable. But if it stayed in the smoke too long, it would begin to dry the wineskin out. It would begin to shrivel it. It would begin to weaken. And it wouldn't be effective. It would burst. Suffering is no guarantee of change in our lives. It's a guarantee of one thing. In the middle of the struggle, you will grow. You will grow. Now, you may grow angry and resentful. That's an option. And that happens to far too many people. Or we'll grow closer in our relationship to our maker. We'll grow in trust. We'll grow in faith. We'll grow in the works that we do. Because God's hand is in all things. He's at work even when we don't see it. He's worthy of our worship and our glory because he's king. All your commandments are trustworthy. Help me, for I am being persecuted without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forgotten your precepts. In your unfailing love, preserve my life that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. Once again, it's all about God. Who's going to sustain us? Who's going to get us through? Who's going to change us? Who's going to move us? It's going to be God and God alone. It's in his unfailing life, love, that my life is preserved. It's in his unfailing love that your life is preserved. It's only through his unfailing love that the world around us will be preserved. Corinthians 4, 14 through 18, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is our hope. You see, my perspective is this. My perspective is that God is only glorified in life somehow. But God receives great glory and has received great glory and is receiving great glory in our loss, in Callie's death. Death victorious? No. Life always. We speak life because this is about life. She's more alive now, like I said, than ever. But we have opportunities, and I've now been given, and every one of us here have been given a platform even to speak from. I've had two conversations in the last couple of days, right, with people who were just like, wow, one guy was like, I just really think there's something more than this. And I said, I know there is. And I know where she is. And there's a hope that's within us. And in my grieving, yes, but I'm not grieving as those who have no hope, right? 
1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Romans 8, 35 to 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, all things. And in the Greek, that means all things. <laughs> all things for him, for his glory, for his plans, for his purposes, for his greater understanding. In his faithfulness, in his love, in his compassion, we reach out and we embrace whether the suffering around us is a personal suffering that we're experiencing or if we're just sitting with someone or interceding on behalf of someone. We're called to engage the world and its suffering, just like Christ engaged the world in its suffering, through his suffering, that he won life for us through death. He defeated death by its own terms in what would seem to be defeat, right, is victory. And we rest in that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. We do thank you, and we give you glory and honor. We thank you for the life that you've given us this day. May we spend it on something that is worthy to spend it on. May we not be caught up in all of the distractions and all of the things. May this shake our foundations, Lord, to the point that we recognize a reality of what is truly important in this world. May we hold close to our relationship to you and our relationship to others. May we hold close to the commissioning that you've given us to go out and to reach the world, to love the lost, to bring truth and hope and love and light into the world around us. God, will you do a work in us this day? Will you not leave us unchanged? Will you take the struggle and the suffering and the pain in our lives, Lord, and will you make something good out of it? We love you, Lord, and we know we've been called according to your purposes. And so we're asking you, Lord, to take our, our shortcomings, our pain, our failures, our sin, our difficulties, our suffering, our loss, and recreate it, Lord, into something that would be a story that we could tell to somebody else that would engender hope into their lives. May we live our lives so hope-filled, so joyously, Lord, that the world out there wonders what we have going. May we create such a community on the inside of this place 
that those who are, for the moment, outside of it are drawn to it and have a great desire to be a part of it. Lord, you drew people to yourself. May your church draw people to it. Do the work that you want to do in us and through us, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we go out of here this day. Help us not to just to, to recognize the reality of the sacred, the, the moments that we'll meet with people and those, just those, those places, those things that you've ordained. May we walk in those things and may we know, Lord, um, the goodness and the wholeness and the fulfillment of doing your will. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.